flags in 100 years. The shithouse, if you think we'll be insightful, clever or just well researched. We're here to say that's not the case, we'll just go out and wing it. We are two guys, one car. It is Wednesday, July the 10th. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. My name is Will Anderson. My name is Charlie Clawson. And can we be certain that this is actually going out? Like what? This is our third attempt at starting the show. We're having some major technical issues back in the same country, not in the same place, uh, different states, but uh, a little bit closer. And we're having some technical issues to begin the show. Well, basically what happened there, Charlie, was the equivalent of grand final day. The umpire goes out to bounce the ball in the middle of the ground to start the game and it sprays and he had to recall it and have another go at bouncing it. And then it sprayed out the other end. And he went, you know what, fellas, it's grand final day, but I'm just going to throw it up. <laughs> Uh, so what's going on in the world of football? I, uh, for me, well, it's a bit of a dead man walking situation here. The season cannot come to an end fast enough. Like clearly we're not going to play finals. We're not playing particularly good football. Our coach just looks like a man who knows that he's on borrowed time. So the question for Saint supporters at the moment is like, do we pull the trigger now? Do we wait to the end of the season? Like what is the benefit I guess you pull the trigger now on Richo and then try and scoop up the best available coach or do you let him coach it out for cohesion? He sees that his contract, don't have no payout, no kind of no disruption to the season proper. Like what should we do, Will? As someone who uh, got rid of a coach only four seasons ago, what do you recommend the Saints should do? Uh, I mean, I don't see what the value in not letting Richo coach out the year is. Well, the, the, the problem is then you lose first dibs on some other coaches. That's that's the pressure is like... Do Who do you, you lose first dibs on, though? Uh, I guess it'd be like Ross Lyon, Brad Scott. Who else is t- they talking about? John Longmire. Well, John Longmire's... But Ross Lyon's not available. Ross Lyon has a contract at Fremantle. Ah, uh, yeah, but come on. He's not coming back to St Kilda, is he? No, no, he wouldn't go to St Kilda, I guess. He might go to Carlton. But I guess it's Brad Scott. That is the that is the name that is bandied so about. You, but the, is Brad Scott such a great coach? Like he might be, but or, is Brad Scott such a great coach that you have to get Richo now so that you can get first dibs on Brad Scott? It's more of a musical chair situation. You don't want to be left with no options. Like I think that, okay, in all honesty. But it's who, not like you can have no options. Who would the it's best not like available? you won't have a coach. Like, it's not like, oh, sorry, St. Kilda couldn't get locked down a coach, so they're coachless this year. Well, so it'd be, I reckon Brad Scott, Brett Ratton would be who we're looking at. That would be our top two choices. Brett Ratton's already at the club, he's an assistant. I did read a rumor yesterday on Fox Sports that uh, Luke Beveridge, the Saints will also be sounding out Luke Beveridge, but I can't see that happening. Yeah, well, because, I mean, he's a St. Kilda legend, uh, Luke uh, Beveridge as well. Well, he's, his dad is a St. Kilda legend, John Beveridge. Yeah, and well, Luke that's did- what I mean, the f- there's a connection to the St. Kilda yeah. Football Club. Yeah, and he was our director of coaching for about two weeks before you guys took him. You guys poached him. I mean, that would be the only way they could probably get into the Saints is go, technically, we've looked through the back records and you're still employed. We never actually filed. You're actually, you've been employed here. By the way, we owe you $250,000 a year for the last four years, but also you're still technically employed here at St. Kilda. Well, I am kind of... Of your mind of thinking, Will, that, yeah, you just let him coach it out. But you've got to wonder at a point, well, what, what are we doing? Like, is it, we are not putting performances in at the moment. Like, at least at the start of the year, we were batting, you know, battling on man, manfully. And you're like, okay, well, they're showing a little something. But now it's just, we've had four or five games that have been blowouts, you know, quarters where we haven't even been in the contest. So it's like... What are you looking to get out of this season? I mean, personally, I am actually not that pessimistic. I actually think that injuries aside, we've uncovered a lot of good talent. Jack Billings has become like an A grader. Uh, Jay Gresham's continued to improve. Ron Marshall has become a surprise packet, probably one of the best young ruckmen going around. I think there's a lot to look forward to next year. But in the next six weeks, what does a club want to get out of it? Like, what, what is the best we could hope for? Well, here's what I would ask, read the coaching situation. This obsession with like missing out or not getting like the the big fish, I think is the wrong way to be looking at it. Because who who won the premiership last year, Charlie? Um, 
a West Coast. <laughs> right. <laughs> really who, who, coaches, who coaches West Coast? Adam Simpson. Adam Simpson, first time coaching job, yeah? Yeah. Who won the premiership the year before? Damien Hardwick. Damien Hardwick, first time coach, right? Yeah. Who won the premiership the year before that? Fuck, I don't know. Luke Beveridge? <laughs> what is Luke this? Luke Beveridge, first time coach. Like, if you go back through the history and to Clarko himself, the history of domination of coaching jobs are people who are in their first time coaching. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, they, so the idea that somehow you have to get someone who's got experience coaching or whatever doesn't really make sense to me in that you can name the procession of, like, you know, coaches who've won premiership in the last decade and most of them are first-time coaches. So you don't subscribe to Chris Judd's philosophy of we don't want training wheels? Um, look, I mean, I, I think there can be a process and all these sort of things, but I think if you find the right guy, if you go and find the right guy who's been, you know, the best assistant or you find the right guy who's just ready to go and it's their time to coach, then that seems to have actually been the model that's led to success for most of these clubs. I mean, you've never worked... When they axed the glass house, were you still shooting episodes? Have you ever worked on a show that you know is not coming back? Have you ever had a job that you know is like coming to an end? Yeah, they they announced uh, glass house before we um, finished yeah. up. So we had six weeks and we tried our best because you still have some hope, right? Yeah. Like, you know... And you're playing for your career. The players like step up because, it, you know, you're like, well, I've got to get another job after this. I've really got to do a good job. But secondly, I, when they asked uh, Limo and I, when they told us they weren't renewing our contract on the radio, that was uh, about six weeks before as well. And there was an article in the paper that said that sometimes when radio shows are finishing up, they start to phone it in. And so Limo and I one day phoned the show in. I was in Brisbane and he was in Bondi and we literally did the whole show on the phones and made our guests go into the studio. So look, you try some unconventional things when you know the decision has been made. You know, that's the reshore dilemma, right? Is mm. that, you know, North Melbourne are playing better football. Is it because reshore is some great coach or is it because, you know, all those other factors that come into the equation? I think it. I don't think it's just emotion with Reece Shaw. Like statistically, the way they're playing the game has changed between Brad Scott and Reece Shaw. Like in terms of where they're kicking the ball, long kicks, playing on, all that kind of stuff. All the tactics are completely different. And that was probably my first good look at North Melbourne was this weekend. And you were waxing lyrical about them last week after seeing them against Collingwood. And I know what you're talking about. Like they actually look like a really good side. It's kind of beggar's belief that they had such a slow start to the year because you look at their... I mean, and, and Higgins wasn't even playing against us. But you go down their, their spine and they've got really a good mix of experience and youth. And um, Ben Cunnington is just like... He's the Wolverine of the AFL, isn't he? Like this little yeah. nuggety... He's short, he's stocky. Like he, he seems to have no connection to modern-day society. <laughs> yeah. And then they just unleash him on a football ground. He destroys everybody. And then he just goes back to his farm. Yeah. Like, he, 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 he he's definitely a throwback. But he's such an intimidating player. And he does sort of... Like, I watched him going around clipping Saints players on the weekend. And it was just so second nature. Like, just the punch to the guts, the clip around the ears. Like, at one point, like, as they jumped us in the first quarter, I think they got out to a 42-point lead. And then in the second and third quarter, we responded, got a lot more physical. But you could see in that first quarter that we weren't ready for it. Like, the players were like, at one stage, Luke Dunstan is, uh, you know, running to the forward line and, and kicks a ball in. And then he just gets a little clip around the ears from Cunnington after he kicks it. And he was so shocked. Like, you see him stop and turn around and look to the umpire. And it's like, that's right, mate. It's the 1970s again. Like, you, Robbie yeah. Muir is chasing you down <laughs> on the wing. And there was some statistic about him. Didn't it's like he's had, like, the most amount of reprimands this year or something like that? The, he's gone the closest to suspension without getting suspended. Well, I like to think that that's why he's rejected modern day technology and social media is because he lives his entire life in the 1970s. <laughs> he plays football like it's the 1970s. He lives like it's the 1970s. I hope he's got like a car that's from the 1970s. He's essentially living his life in a period piece. But it's perfect because that is what you think of when you think of North Melbourne, the shin bonus spirit. It has that kind of like... 1970s old school pull yourselves up by your bootstraps kind of mentality he epitomizes that shin bonus spirit 
Um, no, they look good. They look they look really good. And then on the flip side, maybe down on his property, maybe he's found a well. You know, yeah. he's like you know, he's, he's been Just divining digging. down on the farm, and he's found himself his own personal supply of shinbone spirit. Well, if they do hang on to Reese Shaw, does he fit into that? Because you know, what do they always say about Reese Shaw? Quirky, he's his own man. You know, he's uh, he, he speaks his mind. Does that fit into the shinboner? Because you know, when you think of shinboner, Brad Scott very much fit the shinboner kind of uh, image, didn't he? You know, he's sort of like stoic and man of few words, and you know, a bit of a hard ass and all that kind of stuff. Reese Shaw is more of your joker. Does he fit in with the shinboner spirit? Well, he seems to be able to inspire Shinbona spirit in in the players, though. Like, you know what I mean? Like, since he's been there, like, maybe it's just that sort of thing of, like, he's fun-loving. He lets them into the Shinbona spirit more often. Yeah. I like to think that Ben Cunnington's, like, driving the Shinbona spirit down from his well down on his farm. Like, Moonshine He's yeah, like yeah. one of those old old school bootleggers. Bootleggers. And he's coming down from the farm in his 1970s truck with like some shinboner spirit in those old moonshine sort of bottles, just with SS on the on the outside of it. And he's smuggling into the club. And he's what I... Okay, so I've Googled list of AFL grand final winners from the last... Uh, just to see how long ago it was there was a coach who won the grand final. And so 2010, Mick, Malthouse. Mick, Malthouse, yeah. So that means there's been a decade of football where all the coaches of premiership teams have been first-time coaches. So I'm not quite sure what this current day obsession with getting some sort of experienced coach or a coach on their second go is. But is it, is it that or is it more like um, coaches have had a long time in the system? Like there, there would be a few assistants floating around who would be kind of like, you know, on people's radars. I, th- do you, I mean, I think, I think Brett Ratton... I, I would like Brett Ratton to coach St Kilda next year, I, just because I think he's been at the club for a year and he would ha- If I imagine in his mind, when he's sitting next to the box with Richo, that Brett Ratton would be like, well, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> well, I wouldn't move him there. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have him in defence. I mean, I don't think... Maybe Richo's like, hang on, did you, did you say something? No, 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 no. Shit. No, no. <laughs> did I say the loud part out loud and the quiet part out loud? And- <laughs> but you would, right? Like, I, I can't remember. He's the midfield coach who's the forward coach or something. But Brett Ratton would have to be aware of what Richo's situation is. Brett Ratton has also publicly declared that he wants to be a senior coach again. So do you think part of him is like, well, at some point, Simon Lethleen's probably going to give me a call. I need to have like, well, this is what I would have done differently this year. Or do you think he's already like, he's starting to do that. So he's in you know, Simon's office. He just pops in as if it's like a casual chat on a Monday. So, Richo made some uh, interesting decisions in the box on the weekend, didn't he? <laughs> Just like, I have wondered about that because it is a, like everyone would be aware of what's going on. It would have been like when Buckley was at Collingwood with Malthouse. Like everyone is aware that there is a coach in waiting in the wings. So surely there has to be some kind of tension, you know, maybe not overt, but at least in team selection and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, if you... Un- from what I understand, Simon Lethlane is pretty involved in all the departments at St Kilda right now. So I would be surprised if he and Brett Ratton had not at least had a coffee together at some point and Simon had sort of picked his brain about, well, you know, what do you think's going on? Do you think it is just injuries? Is there other- What's the vibe from the players? You know, are they into Richo? Do you think there's something else? Do they want to go back to Seaford? Is that the problem? Have we made a mistake coming back to Moorabbin? I mean, it'd be great if they did settle on that. If, if they do settle on going back to Seaford, I, I'm 100% on board with whoever they name as coach. We're bringing, we're bringing Grant Thomas back and we're taking us back to Seaford. Now, you saw they unveiled the Nicky Winmar statue at Optus Stadium on yeah. the weekend. And I understand that was kind of like Nicky's choice, Western Australian boy, one of the statue over there. Do you think it should have been at Moorabbin? At Moorabbin? Yeah. Because he was a secure Saints player. legend. Well, I mean, well, he was also a Western Bulldogs legend. We could have it out <laughs> with a wooden oval. No you, no, you can't. I mean, the only other oval would be Victoria, Victoria Park, where it actually happened. But it, it, there's no one there, so there'd be no point. Also, that just feels... Well, f- firstly, there's no one there. And it, that feels like also like you're asking for trouble. Do you think? Like just, well, I mean, it was the place the, where it happened. It was the yeah. Collingwood fans, you know, at Victoria Park 
that inspired this moment of like, you've got to remember that, you know, this is a day of the Collingwood fans just spouting the most vile racism over the fence for two hours that is like provoked, you know, Nikki into this like, you know, legendary gesture. But it's not like it's quite a, it's not like it's probably a great memorable day for Nikki. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. As in, and, and there'd be Collingwood fans who'd still be upset about it. There'd be Collingwood fans who still didn't get it. They'd, but, be, like, you know, they'd be like, he complained too much. It was just but, banter. But that's not, Collingwood's not like that now. Like, Collingwood is very much like your latte sipping limousine liberals. Like, there's a lot, there's, it's a very progressive suburb now. I think they would, uh, they would embrace that. It's a chance to uh, reclaim that area. Okay, so you think a Nicky Wimmer statue there as part of the hipsterfication of Collingwood? <laughs> yeah, totally. Just put him in like, just give him a big beard, even though he didn't have one at the time. <laughs> He's just spinning some vinyl. It's like, you know, this is not how it actually went down. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. We've reinterpreted it. Look at Nicky Wimmer talking to the statue of Bob Murphy we put here. Well, do you think that, I mean, does the player, because it was Nicky's stand, does he get to pick where the statue goes? Well, not like entirely. It, it probably needed to be outside like a sporting ground. Yeah. Yeah, right. Like, so it's not like, <laughs> put it in a... <laughs> well, I want you to put it on top of Parliament House. <laughs> I want you to put it in the middle of Optus Stadium where the umpire would ordinarily bounce the ball. That's where I want the statue. I want the statue in the exact spot. Oh, if they'd done this, if they'd put it on the exact spot on Victoria Park, where the incident actually happened. So the statue is right there so that whenever anybody plays a game of like footy or cricket or just social, when they're having group exercise out on Victoria Park, they have to do it around the Nicky Wimmer statue. Or maybe you could put it, send it first statue in space. So it's floating around the world at all times. You can look up at at when when the the time is right, you can look up and see Nicky Wimmer floating past you. As a reminder. So, Nikki, we've built the statue. Uh, obviously, only the final bit now. Uh, you get the choice as the person the statue is about uh, where you'd like the statue to be put. Uh, we've got a couple of suggestions. Victoria Park, uh, Moorabbin, uh, the Witten Oval, um, and Optus Stadium. Uh, some obvious ones that spring to mind. And Nikki just leans across the table and just goes, space. By space. <laughs> outer space. The outer, first statue. Two words. Outer space. <laughs> All right. I guess we can make that happen. <laughs> so how are you feeling? You must be pretty excited. I know three weeks ago you were like, blah, this season, blah, who cares, blah. But the dogs are showing a little something now. Bontempelli in the frame for maybe a brown low. You're a sneaky chance to make the finals. Is this what you want? Uh, well, I want us to play better. Like, so playing better is good. Um, it, the funny thing is it doesn't actually feel like to me, having watched a lot of the games, that we're that we are playing that much better. It's funny with the Bulldogs game plan in that it kind of when it works, you go, yeah, this is a really good game plan. This works really well. And then when it doesn't work, you can see all the flaws in it. Okay, so um, just pause for there a sec because I've heard a few commentators talk about this, like, oh, the Bulldogs are finally playing like 2016 again. What is that? Well, I mean, quick possession. Like a lot of people do it now. Like, I mean, it's it's quite a common technique, which is to keep the ball moving, quick hands, keep the ball moving and just that swarming pressure. But the pressure feels like it's back. It feels like we're suffocating other teams and just swarming over the top of them. And we've got a bunch of, like, if you look at Bontempelli, McRae, Hunter, Dunkley, Dunkley, like there's a bunch of guys who are getting a huge amount of possessions and just playing really good football. But what the difference is, is when a Shacky or when a Norton are able to convert a little bit in the forward line, it just suddenly go, oh, well, we're getting plenty of scoring shots. Most weeks we get plenty of scoring shots. The fact that we can actually then convert a few of those scoring shots makes us a pretty... So it is that one thing where you're just like, they can go from terrible to quite good quite quickly, the Bulldogs. It's nothing more dispiriting than all that work up the ground get it into your forward 50 and then fucking either butcher it or miss a set shot or just scramble around and not quite get it near the goals. <laughs> like it really is dispiriting. So what do you need for, okay, whatever happens this year, I mean, you could make end up in the bottom half of the eight and do another 2016 run, but let's put that aside for a second. If if we make the eight, like if we made the eight, I would have, fancy our chances of whatever because – to to make the eight, we're going to have to play a lot of good football between now and the finals because 
even though we're like, it, our percentage is terrible. So we're going to have to win an extra game basically to get into the eight. We're not going to get in equal with another club and then on percentage. That 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 won't favour us. So, and I don't think that we will. Like I don't think we'll. Put, but if we got together a run of football that was so good and consistent that we made the finals, then who knows? Once you're in the finals, who knows? And I think the Bulldogs would have a lot of optimism if they made the finals that they could make a run deep into the finals. But I don't think they will. I don't think that, that we've got the consistency and whatever. But it feels like we're moving in the right direction. So what do you need for next year? Like if you're going to make a serious assault to get back into proper finals contention, what do you need? What if you could uh, pick if you could pick two kinds of players, what would you need? I think that Tim English is going to be a superstar, but his body isn't big enough at the moment to I still think he's another couple of seasons away from being in that sort of Brody Grundy sort of capacity. Like his skills are exquisite. But like he just doesn't have the size in his body. I reckon mm. if we could have somebody to help back, back him up, like a really big, it wouldn't have to be necessarily the best ruckman, like a skillful ruckman, but just like a big body. Todd Goldstein, he's out of contract, free agent. Why don't you get him? It wouldn't be the worst idea. I think. I think Goldstein could teach English a lot, and if Goldstein was happy to kind of play just that support role, give mm. us a bit of height up forward, you know, supporting role as well, and then just. I think that w- wouldn't be a bad idea, getting Goldstein. Yeah. I mean, does Tim's dad come to the games? His dad's John English, right? John English. <laughs> That's right. Always looks like he's had a really big night. He comes straight from the Pirates of the Penzance. <laughs> he just says, guys, now, now that we've had a win, we've got to get all together now. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, and and back we need uh, we need a big body in the back line. You need to get Marcus Adams back. Can you redraft him from Brisbane? He played his first game on the weekend for Brisbane. I watched him. He played down forward. But no, we need a big backman. Yeah, I saw he, he did his interview after the game. All he did was just bag out the Bulldogs for five. He was just like, at least I'm not. You know what the good news was? I wasn't at the Wynn Oval. I wasn't at Footscray, the place I hate the most of any place in the world. <laughs> Marcus, we didn't even ask you. What was it like to play on the forward line? Well, if the forward line wasn't in Footscray, I was pretty happy with it. <laughs> you know, with something we've missed uh, this year in the uh, uh, without without uh, our deference to Melbourne's disastrous year and looking for a new Richmondy, we're missing right in front of us Collingwood's decline. Like this could be the greatest gift to all non-Collingwood supporting footy fans around the world. The fact that if Collingwood's decline continues as predicted, this could be like, this could be great news for people who have nothing better to cheer for in a seat like me. People like me. I mean, the fact that Collingwood got within a kick of winning the grand final and then might yeah, slip down and, and not do well. Oh, look, I think there's still a fair way away from that happening. I think there's a lot of like you know, disaster talk around Collingwood for a team that... He's still sitting in, what, third or fourth on the ladder and has plenty of potential upside, like if they get it back together. I don't think Collingwood are are done by any means. This is a perfect example of what we've gone on about this year where they put the microscope over a team and it's like, just fucking, everyone just take a chill pill, all right? But they love it. They love doing it, especially with a big team like Collingwood. They can just write so many columns on it. But... It's impressive getting back into the country and just reading all these articles which are like, oh, look at the stats. No teams ever want to flag with blah, 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 blah. It's like, all right, okay. Is that just like no team wins a grand final from outside the top four? Remember when you told us that? Yeah, well, I mean, the idea too that in this competition that we now have that any team, like what I love is everything's a disaster and then everything's potentially the best thing ever. Like Richmond, you know, Richmond who basically you might as well have shut down Punt Road like early yeah. in the season, now probably will win the premiership. <laughs> Fremantle, we're going to finish top four like two months yeah. ago. Now they're shit. Sackboss yeah. lie. Yeah, he's gone. Yeah. Bombers. Bombers um, are going to play finals. John Walsfold was going to lose his job. Now the Bombers are probably going to play finals. But the truth is we still don't know what any of that's going to be. It's all still so close that some team has a bad three weeks or some team has a great three weeks and it's all going to change really quickly. There's just no point making great uh, you know, predictions about what's happening this season. But Melbourne, Melbourne were nearly the most Melbourne-y of all Melbourne on the weekend. I mean, the fact that Melbourne, you know, 
were in front in a game that they should have been in front with. And then just watching Carlton mow them down in that final quarter, bit by bit, and then get in front. I was just like, Melbourne, your season's done. You've got to stop being so Melbourne-y. That was bizarre because that the way that game unfolded was almost word for word what I predicted on last week's show. I said right. that they would jump out to a huge lead and get mown down. It didn't have the finish we wanted, but it was... There is something in the zeitgeist, isn't there, around Melbourne where it's like, you've got to stop being what we all think you are. <laughs> like You have to defy right. expectations at some point, right? Well, is this part of what Collingwood's slump is? The Buckley knows that Collingwood have gone too far away from their traditional roots of being backs against the wall and he's got to get their backs yeah. back up against the wall for them to make a decent charge towards the finals. Well, this round is perfect. Like, in fact, when we get to our tips, because they're playing West Coast at Optus Stadium this weekend, perfect opportunity. Backs could not be further up against the wall. Their backs are through the wall at this stage. Is there any chance that Buckley has been priming them for this game (laughs) with a series of losses to get their backs against the wall up against West Coast so they can knock them over? That makes sense. I mean, maybe that's what their training loads was all about. Just get the players so fatigued between rounds 13 and 17 that they lose a bunch of games and then just like lift the load. Round 17, they beat West Coast. But then, is that too far out from the finals? You want your backs against the wall like two rounds from the finals, I think. Well, but it's hard to have your backs against the wall like too close to the finals because then you can flirting with form, right? Well, I actually think... They have one of the hardest runs home. Let's just check it out. So, okay. So, this week they've got the Eagles in Perth. Then they have uh, the Giants in Sydney. Then they have uh, Richmond at the MCG. Then they have the Suns. Well, they'll win that one. That's round 20. Melbourne, they'll win that one. And then Adelaide and Adelaide. And then the last round is... The Bombers. So I think actually it does work because they can back against their walls for the next three rounds with their three hard games against uh, uh, the Giants, West Coast and Richmond. Then they've got a couple of little primers against Gold Coast and Melbourne. And then they have another little kind of backs against the wall in the final round against Adelaide. So I agree. I think Buckley knows what he's doing. He's just trying to play them right. He's yeah. just trying to get him in the exact right zone to make a decent charge deep into the finals. Yeah. Plus, he knows he's got to beat West Coast before the finals because Collingwood can't beat West Coast. So he's been priming in the last two. It's like when they beat the Bulldogs, that wasn't actually his plan. That's why he was so angry after the game. And he was saying that's the worst they've ever played because he needed to get their backs against the walls. Then a couple of losses, backs fully against the walls, ready to go over to Western Australia and beat West Coast. I do think it's funny too how a lot of the commentary around Buckley has been like, oh, the issue, he's gotten stern again. Like, you know, he was relaxed when he had his beard and stuff. I think what's happened is he's shaved his beard. <laughs> like, that's all, that's the only difference that's happened with Nathan Buckley is he's gone clean shaven and he has a bit of that, you know, he looks like an American Eagle, the American Eagle puppet from The Muppet Show. He's got a harsh face. Like, I don't think he's it's got, his fault. He's got resting Buck's face. <laughs> yeah, that's really, <laughs> resting Buck's face. It's like, yeah. come on, guys. Like, it's, I don't think, I think he's still Zen, man. I just think he's got that Bucks face. Also, here's what I would say is it's very easy to be Zen when your football team wins all the time and, you know, you're playing in, you know, the grand finals and stuff like that. That's the perfect time to be Zen. Mm. It's very easy to be Zen when you live in Byron Bay and you don't have a job and you can swim in the ocean every day and you're like, just be chill, man. Just meditate. You're no fucking shit, mate. Your life's brilliant, but it's, it's not as easy to be zen when your football team's playing shit and everybody's saying you're no good at your job. It really takes the edge off your zen. Well, I guess the question then becomes like, if, all right, so the Cats had a stumble against you. Collingwood seemed to be in the doldrums. Does that mean West Coast are now back in the frame as favourites? Uh, I think it's too early to write off Geelong. Geelong just, you know, Geelong had a great start to the season. If they get back to playing at that level, they're still going to be very good, I would have thought, Geelong. Um, West Coast are right up there, though. West Coast have got to well, be... Now Nick Nat's back. I mean, what a fucking return, too. Like, was it his second knee or was that his, was that his first? Second, I think. Second, right? And it's just like, hasn't missed a beat. Like, still playing, like, still got the same leap, still agile, in the wet as well. Wasn't his third, was it? No. Second. I think it was the second. um, 
he is. I mean, they've got him back. They've got Shepard back. Like, there's and and Gaff obviously. Mm. As you were talking about a couple of weeks ago, there's a lot of arguments to be made that they're a better team than they were last year. A hundred percent. And also, yeah, like the the grand final that they won was without like Shepard, without Gaff, without a bunch of their Nat yeah. Nui. So Nick Nat. they've just loaded up with like three like top ten players, and they're going to yeah, have three probably probably three top five players at yeah. the best. You know, and, in that team. and and going to pl- be playing two home finals. So and can play the G have proved that they can play the G. So I mean. I guess Geelong becomes the Victorian hope, but then who? Else? Oh, I guess Richmond would be the other one. Richmond then becomes the other, the other curly one, doesn't it? Well, Richmond, it's hard to tell, but yeah, you won't Richmond, know until... I felt like Gold, I felt like Gold Coast Suns was exactly the game Richmond needed. <laughs> Richmond have been playing much better, you know, as the as the last few weeks have gone on. But this was like the game they found their joy back. That yeah. was like merciless. Old school, they're roaring now, the Tigers, you know, all they're suddenly they're sort of, you know, players who have been, you know, a bit down on form, all they're sort of like half forwards and half backs who are just having a field day, like everybody's having mm. a good time. The big players are about to come back, you know, Cotchen's up and about again now, Martin's playing well. It's suddenly it's like, it felt like this was exactly what the, the Tigers needed, was a real just like, I mean, they Tune up. kicked over 100 points in the first half. Yeah. Speaking of the Suns, uh, Tony Cochran, uh, two guys, one cup favorite, mad, the mad king of the North, Tony Cochran, has come out. Um, I've got the article here I thought would be worth going through just to get some juicy Tony Cochran quotes. Right. So the headline, Will, this is from AFL.com. I will become a 6,000 pound gorilla on this. <laughs> I will. <laughs> That is, like, firstly, I love the idea that Tony Cochran is just saying these things without any context. Yes. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, the idea is, like, my plan is that I am going to become a 6,000-pound gorilla. It's not, no, it's not, it's not a metaphor. I am literally... We have scientists at Metricon who are making breakthroughs every day to convert me from Tony Cochran... President of the Suns into a six thousand pound gorilla. Pound gorilla, not a half we man, half gorilla, an actual full blood gorilla. <laughs> Tony, is that why you called the press conference? Yes, that, and to also ask for bananas. <laughs> please, please bring bananas. Okay, this is from Damien Barrett on the AFL website. Gold Coast will use next month's AFL Commission meeting to pitch for special access to the number one pick in the 2019 NAB AFL National Draft. Suns chairman Tony Cochran said on Monday uh, that it was time to circuit break his club's inability to compete for finals since it joined the AFL in 2011. Quote, I don't think there'd be any fair-minded person who would say that nine years at the bottom isn't time to give genuine assistance. If successful with the request, and if the club stays at the bottom of the ladder, it would receive two first picks in the draft. We've been doing a very detailed report, and we hope to finalise that for our July board meeting, and then I'm going to make a submission to the August Commission uh, meeting, Cochrane said. We are past a stage where we say we will give you a couple of players from the VFL Sandfall or Waffle. It has to be something that breaks the cycle. You can't keep tinkering at the edges. You need to give clubs hope of making finals at least once every seven or eight years. And we need a circuit breaker. Genuine player assistance. Or we are not being genuine in what we're doing. So I will be becoming a gorilla. <laughs> so today I announce my plan to become a 6,000 pound gorilla. One thing we'll need to have a look at, a serious look at, is a priority pick. It's no good just giving us pick 19. Are you serious about real help or not? <laughs> that's my inflection, but that's what he said. Are you serious about real help or not? I will become a 6,000-pound gorilla on this. <laughs> we are at the pointy end of the argument. We need some proper assistance. I'm not asking for Tony Cochran or the Suns, but for the tens of thousands of juniors playing the game on the coast. <laughs> um, I think th- that they should not get I don't think it's any point giving them like the number two pick as well as the number one pick. I don't think that that is the right thing to do. 
No, um, but it's I also, also completely don't think unfair. That, yeah, but I do think that they do need genuine assistance. So I think the best compromise would be that you give them pick 18 and 19. You give them two picks outside the... So instead of giving them one pick at... I don't think one pick at 18 or 19 is enough as a bonus. I think you have to give them two. Or one thing I had floated on uh, the Fox Footy podcast was you give them a pick somewhere between the uh, 8th and ninth, So wherever that would be, like nine, uh, pick 10. Yeah, I don't think that... I don't think one player's enough for them. I no, think no, that no, they sorry, need two no, you, players. You, you give them 19 and you give them 10. So they get two, two picks in the top 20. Well, I would say you give them two picks in the top 20, but they're 19 and 20. So they get one, obviously, because they're going to finish bottom. So you get pick one anyway, but then you get two really good... Like, pick 19, pick 20 are good footballers, right? Mm. And you get two of them, two extras, like, that you weren't going to get anyway, right? Yeah. I think that's better than giving them one... Like, giving them, you know, one other one player, which is the second pick, versus two players that are 19 and 20, I think is much better for their rebuild to give them two players at that stage. The other one I heard was they get the priority, but they have to trade it. So, right. basically, the idea is you've got this number one pick, but you're not allowed to use it yourself. You then go to every other club and go, what what will you give us for you know, this number one pick. So say you're, yeah, you know, say you're, um, I don't know who, someone who finishes like fourth or whatever, and you just need that player. You, you can, you can kind of trade with them. I mean, but do you really trust like mad Tony Cochran to be at the trade table with someone like Clarko? Like, can you imagine how that trade goes down with the number one pick Tony, Clarko? Tony Cochran comes back with eight beans, <laughs> eight <laughs> magical beans. Yeah, exactly. Clarko just rubs his hands together. Brilliant. Excellent. We got Jaeger, we got Tom Scully, now we're getting the number one pick. Bring Tony to the table. <laughs> the great love- news is, guys, that we've got Jared Ruffhead and eight magic beans. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, this is how they won their, tri- their, their triple premiership. You just got to plant these and you grow footballers. And at least that's what Clarko told me. Uh, all right. He continues. We want. To keep, we want to keep them playing. We want them to be rusted on to the AFL via the Gold Coast as we continue to try and develop footy, uh, footy side in an NRL heartland. We are starting to cut through the last part of the puzzle to have a competitive side. The Suns have finished second last in four of their eight seasons in the AFL and are currently headed for the 2019 Wooden Spoon, sitting last after round 16 with 11 consecutive losses. If Cochrane's pitch is successful, the club would receive the two first picks in the 2019 National Draft. I don't think there would be any fair-minded person who would say that nine years the bottom isn't time to give genuine assistance. 54% of the population is north of the Murray, so we need to properly engage with New South Wales and Queensland if you want a true national competition. It is vital for the four clubs in those states to be given equal opportunity for fan bases to grow, the game at grassroots is exploding in Queensland, <laughs> so we need to look after that and nurture it. There's something about that stat too. Fifty-four percent of the population is north of the Murray. It's like it's a bit like that. You know, thirty-three percent of the time it works a hundred percent of the time. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a weird stat to pull out, isn't it? Because we all measure things north or south of the Murray. Yeah, exactly. You know, Charlie, as we're always saying, as we compare things north and south of the Murray. The Suns' highest ladder position was 12th in 2014, the season in which the club sacked its inaugural coach, Guy McKenna. Rodney Ede coached them 2015 to 2017 and got a free neck massage, as we all saw. <laughs> that was the best part is, of the deal. Well, here's what I was going to say. is Maybe this idea of where they are, Queensland, they're not tapping into that enough, right, to capture the population. So we saw in the recent federal election that Queensland you know, voted conservative. It's, you know, it's a very conservative state. Maybe the Gold Coast Suns, maybe they need to recruit Israel Folau. Maybe yes. they need to switch it to conservative Christian and they sort of make it this sort of, you know, return to traditional values sort of club, you know, like, and, and all, you know, all their games, they all like, you know, pray, you know, before the games and they kind of capture, you know, the sort of traditional values of Queensland. Well, I think... We stick with the conversion of Tony Cochran into a 6,000-pound gorilla. I think oh, okay. if you could go to a game <laughs> on the Gold Coast, and like literally, you know, we used to call them back in the 80s and 90s, they were the Gold Square gorillas, just a big full forward. But if you had an actual gorilla in the Gold Square, like that would be the one reason to catch the Suns on the Gold Coast. Is like, 
Have you seen they have a 6,000-pound gorilla in the goal square? He used to be the chairman of the club. <laughs> and he now plays as a gorilla. We're not sure it's uh, in the rules, but he turns into a gorilla. Uh, maybe we should call them the Gold Coast Gorillas. If Tony Cochran is successful in transforming himself into a 6,000-pound gorilla, which will also, you know, be slimming for Stewie Jew, so Stewie Jew will be in favour of it. <laughs> More pies for Stewie on Pie Night or less pies? <laughs> exactly. No, that might be the problem. Less pies for Stewie on Pie Night. I mean, I imagine a 6,000-pound gorilla eats a lot of pies. What's the, what's the secret to your weight loss, Stewie? Well, I'm now sharing the pie room with a 6,000-pound gorilla. All right, we have to uh, make this a shorter episode because yes. I have to... Uh, I have to let a carpet cleaner into my apartment in about six minutes. So let's uh, look ahead to the games coming up. Michael, it's okay. I don't need your help. I actually have all the games right in front of me. So, all right. Uh, no, Michael's insisting on telling us what the games are. <laughs> uh, first up, uh, as we discussed, at the Optus Stadium, the Eagles taking on the backs against the wall pie, second versus third, do or die. Um I'm going to pick the Pies in this match. I just can't tip against the Pies when their backs are so far against the wall. I mean, it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? If you're going by purely arguing the essence of a team, the Pies' backs could not be further against the wall than going over to Western Australia in this game. It does feel like against one. Against the that's team right. that they can't beat. Who have can't got beat, three returning superstars. And Collingwood are just going, and it's on their home turf. Like, this is fully backs against the wall. This would be the biggest backs against the wall game they've played since they've become a good team, I would have thought. Um, I still can't see them winning, I think, West Coast. <laughs> that means they're going to win. I think their backs will be further against the wall next week. <laughs> on Saturday, the Swans take on the Blues at the SCG. Um, 17th versus 14th. Sorry, 14th versus 17th. Swans are 14th. Essendon is 17th. Uh, Essendon were good. Swans were good last week. I actually thought they were going to run over the Bombers in the end. Uh, Carlton, Brave, I don't know about this. Uh, Swans have been good. They've turned their season around. I think it has to be the Swans at home. Yeah, I think it's hard. To, it's a hard game to pick because both of them, when they play well, are decent teams, but they have periods where they don't. But I would say the Swans. Hawthorne take on Fremantle Dockers at the MC... No, at the University of Tasmania, down in Tassie. By the way, I've been watching a bunch of Swans games and I've been trying to look out for Jake Lloyd because, you know, mm. I feel embarrassed that we didn't know who he was seeing that he was like the fastest player ever to 100 games and a best and fairest winner at the Swans and, mm. and all Australian or whatever the fuck he is. So I thought I should... And the other day I was watching the Swans and I was like, oh, I haven't seen much of Lloyd. And then he got a possession and they were like, and that's Lloyd's 26th possession of the game. And I'm like, even when he's playing, I believe he's getting a lot of possessions that <laughs> I'm not seeing. <laughs> I might have Lloyd blindness. Uh, okay, so Fremantle, all the positivity that they had a couple months ago has fallen apart. People are calling for Ross Lyons' head. He could be at the Blues next year. Hawthorne, just doing what Hawthorne doing. Just a little, just this little incubation year. They'll be back playing finals next year. Clark, I will fucking get. Uh, yeah, he'll get a number one draft pick off the Suns in the off season, and they'll be back. Um, well, that was the classic one. Hawthorne were fucked a few weeks ago, and then Clarko just has this like ragtag band of like you know, sort of mercenaries who just managed to occasionally just beat a much better team than that. Yeah, um, oh, it has to be Hawthorne, right? Especially in Tassie. Yeah, I would think Hawthorne. Um, what do you think about Harley Bennell? Any um, any interest in taking him at the Bulldogs? No. <laughs> no. Like, I mean, he was a superstar footballer when he was at his peak, but he's... Well, when was that, though? When was he at his peak? Was it like three games for the Suns in like 2011 or something? Yes. And they were a great <laughs> three games. A lot of potential, but yeah, no, I mean, it's been a it long was time a bit, since that happened. Uh, when, when Russ came out last week or whenever it was and was like, hey, look, you know, we're going to part ways, but he's a really good bloke and a great footballer and he's worth giving it a shot. Like, has that sales pitch ever worked? Like, isn't that kind of like your mum going out trying to get you a date on your behalf? It's like, look, Will, you know, he's a lovely boy and, uh, you know, he's just a bit lonely. He would like to, someone to take into his year 12 formal. It's like, don't do that. Yeah, but it's... But I've been reading all these newspaper articles about some issues that he's had off the field. <laughs> ah, la, 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 la. Just an old lady drove him to church every Sunday. <laughs> Everything's fine. Still works like a treat. Give him a go. 
We'd love to play him. But doesn't he break down with an injury like every fourth week? Yeah, mate, but, you know, you can patch that up. He'll be sweet. Oh, Saturday afternoon, potentially match of the round, I think. The Bombers take on North Melbourne at Marvel Stadium. Ninth versus tenth. Could not be any closer. Yeah, that's an exciting game. I'm, I'm, I'm fully on board North Melbourne in the Shimboda spirit at this point. So I'm, I'm hoping that it will be North Melbourne, but could easily be the Bombers. Yeah, I'm going to uh, pick North Melbourne in this game as well. The Bombers, though, considering the injuries they've had this year and the amount of kind of negative press, have actually been quite impressive. A bit of resilience down at Bomberland. It's almost like, I don't know, it's almost like they found a little extra something. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? They, re- they seem to recover a lot faster than other teams. <laughs> Saturday night, the Suns take on Adelaide up at Metricon with no 6,000-pound gorilla in the goal square yet. Yet. Uh, Adelaide, right? Adelaide. Do you think it's a bit rich when Tex comes out after a loss and says, look, oh, we're going to swing the axe. A lot of players need to be nervous. It's like, Tex, you haven't had the best year, mate. Yeah, that's why he's swinging the axe. He knows (laughs) while he's swinging the axe, no one can get him because he's got an axe in his hands. Basically, what he was saying is, guys... I've got an axe. <laughs> um, I mean, Adelaide just fucking have to win if they're going to stay in the finals race. What a the Suns got to play for, dispirited. I'm going to pick the Suns, and that's my luck of the week. Mm, well done. I mean, it'd be a big bounce back. But I actually think Adelaide aren't that bad. Adelaide, you know, they're not fantastic, but they're not that bad. I reckon they'll be all right. Uh, Saturday night. Lambs the slaughter down at GMHBA Stadium. The Saints take on the Cats. In After you gave them just the wake-up call they needed, they're going to be looking to beat up on someone. First versus 15th. Jesus Christ. Not, not a great week to roll into Geelong at Geelong, I wouldn't have thought. No. I would have thought that they will have a point to prove and they'll be proving it uh, all over the place. Reese Stanley will have a point to prove with his old club. He'll say, this is why... <laughs> This is why I wear this headband. You never let me express myself the way I wanted to. That's why I went to the Cats. They should have that bit from... Uh, the banner should be that page from Nick Rewald's book. Yeah. <laughs> that would be so... That would be so great. A guy with all the potential in the world just couldn't find a way to motivate him. Reese just uh, runs out on a GMHBA and sees that banner. He's like, oh, God. That's a bit harsh. This is horrible. Sunday morning, or not Sunday morning, Sunday early afternoon, Richmond take on the Giants at the MCG. Giants just fucking really on the nose at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, they, um, they've got plenty of upside, but they've got a bit of downside as well. They don't seem to really um, put it together, do they? Um, it's hard to tell. Like, Richmond. Yeah, I think Richmond win that game. Uh, Mike Hal, I very arrogantly declared I didn't need you because I had the uh, fixture in front of me, but my iPad just ran out of power. Can you please bring up the last two games of the round, please? That's how technology will get you. Yeah. Uh, The Western Bulldogs take on Melbourne at Marvel. Now, Will, God, this must be like, this could be the greatest, this could be the highlight of your year, couldn't it? If there's some kind of Scheidenfreude could take place where Melbourne get out to a big lead and you mow them down. It could be, but it could also be, yeah, it could be horrible for me. It could be a which comeuppance. Which is that Melbourne actually played their best game of the season against the Western Bulldogs and put us out of the finals, even though they don't actually need to play well at this point because they're not going to make the finals. And it kind of rubs it in my face. Like, that could definitely happen. Yeah, I mean, you have lost to West Gold Coast and Carlton, so this could easily, this is especially after having beaten the the, the league leaders, to then drop to disappointing Melbourne would just be a perfect summation of the up and down year the Bulldogs have had. Yeah, the Bulldogs have been pretty good against teams that are above us on the ladder, but not so good against teams that are below us on the ladder. So um, Melbourne is a danger game. But I think we're, in a, we're, we're rolling into a little bit of form. I think we'll be all right. I think we'll win. I'm going to pick Melbourne, and that's my second luck of the week. <laughs> <laughs> and finally... Port Adelaide are playing the Brisbane Lions Thank at the you. Adelaide Oval. Brisbane, by the way, God, I love watching Brisbane. Who play. doesn't? They are and, they are the people's favourite, the people's champion of this year. And I'm a bit the same with Port Adelaide. When Port Adelaide are up and about, they're a great team to watch as well. So I reckon this is going to be. I, like, I'm definitely going to watch this match. This will be an absolute cracker. Two teams that play pretty attacking styles when they're up and going, and 
um, high speed. It'll be this will be a really good match of football. Hopefully, um, a Port Judah win or to lose because you've got to work out what they're most likely they're meant lose. to do, and then they'll do the opposite. They're playing at home and they had a win last week, so they lose this week. Yeah, so they, yeah, so yeah, no, so this is a loser week. <laughs> so on Port's normal form, Brisbane will win this. Port will I, lose at home I'll after pick- winning the showdown and embarrassing yeah, the Adelaide Crows and being the hit of like uh, Adelaide. They will then lose to Brisbane at the Adelaide Oval. Uh, quick question: If you had a choice, Sam Walsh, Connor Rosie, one of the uh, other, Rosie. Yeah, me too. It's just more exciting. I mean, Sam Walsh is good. Don't get me wrong, accumulated, but there's something very exciting about Connor Rosie, isn't there? Sam Walsh is great, yeah, and it will be a brilliant footballer for a very long time. But that when Rosie gets the ball, something like it just lights up. You, I mean, he's already in his first season one of those players that when you hear the ball's got to him, you're like, okay, I'm watching. What's you're paying happen? attention now. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's it. Bit of a short episode this week. Thanks for tuning in again. Uh, you can check out tofop.com to see some of our other great podcasts. You can go to our Facebook page if you'd like to send us a message. We, we're gonna, I'm going to be in Melbourne over the next couple of weeks, so we'll get together. Maybe we'll do a special uh, Two Guys, One Bag episode where we can just plow through yeah, some absolutely. of the Facebook we'll, messages we'll that have been sent over the, the year. We'll, a lot uh, of them will be out of date, but who cares? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, <a> good reflection. <laughs> Yeah, but great. The Skype cut out just as we just to prove our point that we'll be need to be in the same room for fucking once this year. Uh, this has certainly been one of the harder episodes we've done with, like, because there's just been a lot of freezing on the Skype and a lot of like not knowing quite what's going on. Uh, I don't think that we should have employed the people who do the goal review system in the <laughs> AFL to run the Skype on this podcast, Charlie. Well, that's why we want a Patreon so we can pay him at least two hundred and fifty bucks a day every time. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, I've got a show in Darwin. It's called We're Legal. If people uh, want to come along and see that, if you're listening in Darwin, come and see my We're Legal show as part of the Darwin Festival. All right. Play on, not 15. Ball. We are two guys, one car.